This episode of the Major Spoilers podcast goes out to Ellen Morrison, Crystal Groves, and William Young. You can join these super fans in a growing community of patrons at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Get early access to shows, original art, behind the scenes look at what goes on at Major Spoilers, and a lot of exclusive content. You can find it at patreon.com slash major spoilers. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, a murder unfolds in post-Saddam Iraq, and you are there, and so are we, thanks to the Sheriff of Babylon. The Sandman is returning, his universe is getting bigger, there's a casualty in the mystery machine, and a journey into mystery. Uh, plus, sweep the leg, Johnny. Sweep the leg. Team Spoilers is in your corner for the high-stakes action and something, something, sports metaphor. I don't know, I took golf in college. But the Major Spoilers podcast is on the green. Welcome to issue 779 of the Major Spoilers Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for downloading and checking us out this week. I, you know, I enjoy doing this show so much because Matthew is here and Rodrigo is here and sometimes Ashley is here. She's not here this week because she's off doing top secret things. Ashley stuff. Ashley is, has like a, a life. This is one of my highlights <laughs> of the week right here. And it, and it happens early. This My week peaks early. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because it's only really, Tuesday. Well, after you spend time with Rodrigo and I, it's all downhill from there. Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. But uh, this week we will be talking about Sheriff of Babylon, volume one, bang, bang, bang. Uh, we'll be getting to that later in the show. But first, let us hit some news items. Vertigo announces the Sandman artist. DC Comics orders the Doom Patrol series to the upcoming streaming service. And the Wizard World shows a profit after a three-year drought. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny Let's see where we land around, around and around and around and around and around it goes. And there it stops right there on Vertigo announces the Sandman universe artist. Now we knew that Sandman was coming back. We knew that they were going to be expanding some things. Uh, but this week today, in fact, we found out what the books were and who will be working on those books. So we have the dreaming, which is written mm -hmm. by Cy Spurrier with art by Bill Quisevely. I love oh. her art. Her art is fantastic. I can spot her art a mile away and it's so good. Uh, I think they just sold a book because Cy Spurrier is awesome too. Uh, House of Whister Whispers by Nalo Hopkins with art by uh, Dominique Stanton. Lucifer, uh, written by Dan Waters with art by Max uh, F F Fumara, Fumara and Sebastian Fumara, sorry. And then Books of Magic written by Cat Howard with art by Tom Fowler. Uh, now, this all kicks off with the Sandman universe number one. I think that's only a, just a one shot. That thing arrives on August 8th. Uh, that will be written by, of course, all of the writers for the the four series, plus Neil Gaiman, uh, with art by all of the artists. And not Neil Gaiman, because I don't know how well he can draw or not. He draws okay. But what do you guys think of this? We've got the Dreaming. We've got the House of Whispers. We have mm -hmm. Lucifer, which is interesting because the, they just canceled that show after mm -hmm. three seasons. And then well, the they're Books just now getting returns. around to launching the comic to go with it, so... Yeah. And then we've got the book of magic returns with, uh, with, I'm, I guarantee you so many people are going to go, there's nothing but a Harry Potter ripoff without well, really doing the research, whatever they want. without really doing the research. People are dumb and people are stupid. What, what are you, what are you guys' reactions? Uh, Matthew, uh, let's start with you. You're a big Sandman <coughs> fan. Hang on. I just denailed. Rodrigo, you're a big <laughs> Sandman fan. What do you I think? I am not, this? but 
uh, I mean, it looks interesting. I'm curious about how this is all going to fit into sort of, I guess, Sandman continuity. Um, but, you know, they've been slowly and, and kind of, you know, putting out more Sandman books. There was like that, uh, there was like, what, like the two-parter that came mm-hmm. out a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I don't think anybody's freaking out about them, like mishandling the Sandman Oh, yeah. No, mythos. People, people were super excited to see uh, Sandman return in DC Metal, which kind yeah. of launched this kind of thing. Yeah. So. It was a metal. Yeah, the 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 nice thing about specifically uh, the Sandman as a property is that um, it's all about stories. It's all about um, kind of it, it takes place over the span of thousands of years. Mm-hmm. So you can always fit more things in. you can always find places where it's not necessarily going to be too obtrusive. You can still tie it into the, the mythos and get away with it. And even have, you know, characters that have been dead for a while show up again because it's the past or they're, they're a ghost or you're dreaming it. Mm-hmm. Matthew, what yeah. are your reactions? I think that I'm excited up to a point. I really want to see the Spurrier Evely joint. I oh, yeah, really think that, that looks good. I mean, you see the art of the, they've got, we've got some sample pages up on major spoilers and you can spot yeah, her looking. art and man, someday I hope to have a library like, uh, so just built with Everly comics. Yes. No, of just what she's drawn in that panel <laughs> of the library. Yeah. It's really, it's one of those things where I'm cautiously optimistic. I want to see these books, but I also remember the lesson of before Watchmen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't want to be negative Nancy. I don't want to be the guy who's like, this is going to suck because there's going to be a thousand of those guys. But I really do think that it's going to be all about how they can keep the quality level up. I mean, not everybody can write like Neil Gaiman and hopefully they're not going to expect them to. Right. But, I, I do want to read these books, man. I want to read at least, you know, some of them. Books of Magic sounds interesting. The Dreaming sounds interesting. I don't know what a House of Whispers is. I hope it's like a House of Pancakes. I, well, I hope it's like House of Mystery, but with whispers. You know, it's a House a, of Secrets? People are like, shh. Don't, don't say so, Cain and Abel run the Houses of Secrets and Mystery. Yeah. Who's going to run the House of Whispers? Well, if you look in the art, uh, well, I guess, <clears throat> which one is the, let's see, they're doing the Dreaming, so... Evely is doing that. And, uh, which one's the one with the red hair? Is that Kane? Uh, that's Lucian. Oh, okay. The one with the red hair, the librarian. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. I thought, uh, I thought one of the brothers also had red hair. No. Well, Kane has big pointy wide hair, like a wolf. Oh, right. right and right, Abel right. is a portly gentleman with a beard. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Um, I will definitely be checking this out. I'm really interested to see how they're going to handle uh, books of magic because the way the synopsis reads is almost like they're rebooting it and starting over from the beginning because here's the synopsis. Timothy Hunter, Timothy Hunter is destined to become the most powerful magician in the universe, but that doesn't mean he gets to cut class, skip exams or is impervious to bullying by his mundane peers. He's still a London teenager and having a magical abilities complicates things more than it helps. And while Tim's trying to study and attract the cute girl in his class, there are cultists who wants to kill him, believing his power will eventually corrupt him, turning him into a merciless mage. Luckily, the new substitute teacher for his school wants to mentor him and educate him in the magical arts so that he can <coughs> discover and master be, uh, be the master behind the books of magic. I wonder if that will be uh, the Phantom Stranger. 
I don't know. Merciless Mage is actually my death cap for Cutie cover band. There you go. Mm. So I don't know. It, it Just from that synopsis, it feels like they're trying to reboot Books of Magic as opposed to, hey, Timothy well, Hunter, you've been around for a million years. Um, here you go. Continue was, your story. By the way, you're still a teenager. He was 12 or 13. You bump him forward three years and, you know. Yeah, but Books of Magic still has been around since, you know, the 90s. He should be like well, middle age yes, if, but, if he ages like uh, John Constantine does. <laughs> Time doesn't pass in comics unless you're Constantine. And even then, you know, it doesn't pass right. Or Kevin Matchstick. Yeah. Well, Kevin Matchstick is different. Uh, I love the fact that he's bald now. Listeners, I want to know what your reactions are to the announcement about Sandman Universe and the art teams and creative teams that are behind this. Head over to Majorspoilers.com. There is a link there in the show notes and you can use the comment section to share your thoughts and reactions. And we will read them because we love reading everything. That people write over at Majorspoilers.com. Let us jump into some reviews. I think I'm going to go first because mine is the oldest one. Uh, It was released on May 2nd, but I think it was really like almost last week or the last week and a half that people are really like, hey, maybe I should go check out this Cobra Kai series over on YouTube Red. And so I think really it's gained a lot of attraction or got a lot more attention over the last week and a half. Than it did when it first launched, although the marketing campaign for Cobra Kai was really, really good. Uh, My son and I, my oldest son and I watched this. He was like, every night I'm like, okay, we can watch two episodes a night until it's over. And then we got up to episode 10, which is the last in the, uh, in the season. And he's like, dad, maybe we should not watch this one tonight and wait until tomorrow night. So it can last a bit longer because he really got into this. He agrees with me that the very first Karate Kid movie from 1984 is the best Karate Kid movie of all time. All the rest are pale imitators. Here's the thing. Remember in that original movie, who was the good guy, Matthew? Johnny LaRusso. Daniel LaRusso, but okay. Johnny LaRusso. Rodrigo, who was the bad guy in the original Karate Kid movie? Daniel the, Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, the, the bad guy in the original Karate Kid movie, if you believe Barney Stinson, is in fact Ralph Macchio. well it's interesting you say that because cobra kai kind of tells you what happened in the first movie from a different perspective so johnny lawrence his life is washed up he is basically a bum when you meet him this this has uh william zabka who was the original johnny lawrence and it brings back everyone everyone is back in this movie except for elizabeth shoe she does not make an appearance although they do reference her in the in the, in the show. Um, and of course, Mr. Miyagi, who, um, uh, has passed away mm. in real life. Um, but this brings back the original cast and it's really crazy to watch this. So, uh, Johnny Lawrence is just kind of a washed up bum. He can't hold the job. He's a drunkard. He is, um, he is trapped in the eighties and everything that was wrong with the eighties still inhabits Johnny Lawrence. Daniel LaRusso has gone on to become, uh, the Valley's biggest car salesman. He's a, he's, he's a big to do. And Johnny's just trying to figure out where he wants to go in life. And so the first half of the series, or at least the first episode, you can watch the first two episodes free on YouTube. Um, but at least in the first episode, they really paint him as a sympathetic character. Who's like, look, I had a girlfriend and I, I made a stupid mistake. And then all of a sudden this, this LaRusso kid comes in and starts horning in and is trying to mess things up. And, and one night at the beach, he, he shoved me and I, you know, kicked his butt and I thought that was the end of it and just let it go. And then, you know, months later at Halloween, he's turning a hose on me. And it's really painting Johnny Lawrence as 
you know, there is no black and white in the world of Karate Kid, even though the yin yang uh, kind of thing is totally black and white. But uh, then he decides that, you know, my life was good when the Cobra Kai uh, studio was around. So I'm going to teach karate to these bunch of nerds, these kids that are getting picked on so that they have some direction in their life. I can make their lives better. And up to a point, he is making their lives better. There's these kids that are being picked on at school by bullies. And he's trying to show them that, you know, the tenets of Cobra Kai strike first, strike uh, hard, no mercy, sir, really can help them with their lives. And it does again, like I said, into a point, uh, Daniel LaRusso though, he finds out that Cobra Kai has opened up and he has a meltdown. I mean, he's having anxiety, anxiety attacks over the bullying that happened to him in high school. And these two have to work out their issues and through their students, and I won't give away a whole bunch, but uh, through their students, their rift becomes even greater and stronger, even though they do have a common place with one another. And it's really good. The drawback is if you have seen the original Karate Kid movie, there's a lot of the same themes and sequences that appear in this television show as well, to the point where you're like, oh, I know where this is going. But then here's what the creators do. They kind of put a swerve on it and change it around just a little bit to where you think you know where this is going. And then it doesn't. And it goes in a slightly different direction, which makes it a little bit more interesting. So this is kind of like a semi remake, uh, but it's really, really good. It's really good. And I'm surprised that this is on YouTube Red. YouTube Red has not traditionally done uh, a big deal uh, with uh, with big budget things. This, this definitely would have been a Netflix or a Hulu series and YouTube Red picked it up and it's totally worth it. And it was just announced this week that season two is coming. I don't want to give any spoilers, but my jaw was on the floor with the, with the final shots of the final two sequences of this show, just in how they change things around and who they bring back into this movie. It is, or into this TV show is really good. It's, it's 10 half hour episodes. You could binge watch them in an afternoon if you wanted to. Um, more than likely you'll want to take a couple of days to watch everything. Cobra Kai out on YouTube red right now. I love the heck out of it. I can't stop talking about it. I'm giving it five out of five slices of meatloaf. If you're an eighties kid who grew up on karate kid, if you slapped your hands together and rubbed them together, every time you got hurt, it's in this show. Go check it out on YouTube red. Were you going to say something, Rodrigo? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you had, uh, we're going to make a comment on something I had said about this show. Um, but if you get a chance, if you've got YouTube red nine 99 a month, I think the first month is free. Uh, one of the do nice they, things about being YouTube red is, you know, they do have some YouTube red originals that I have watched. Um, they're not bad, but a lot of the YouTube red stuff has been, let's partner up with our, our big YouTube, uh, yeah. stars and let's do stuff based on their ideas and properties. Uh, that's all right. well and good. Some of them are really good. A lot of them are not. Uh, but you know, even if you don't watch anything but the Cobra Kai and you keep your YouTube red subscription going, it does remove all of those commercials, all those pre-rolls that happen before your, uh, before your, uh, video that you want to watch. Even if you're watching something over at major spoilers video, those commercials are removed for you. And the nice thing is if you are a YouTube red subscriber and you are watching videos at youtube.com slash major spoilers video, we get a little money back from your YouTube red subscription. So there's an, there's another bonus. I'm not trying to say, go get YouTube red to support major spoilers. Go get YouTube red so you can watch Cobra Kai. So good. So, so good. Uh, I like out, the Karate Kid too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The Karate Kid also is, all, is a, is a very good show. Um, 
I was really hoping that Elizabeth Shue would have made an a, a appearance, but she did not. That's okay. She's um, off being in the Back to the Future remake that's going to be on YouTube yellow. <laughs> um, they do. I mean, they... If you have a question about particular characters and what happened to them, I mean, main characters, right? Not like the guy that's like, sweet the leg, Johnny, sweet the leg. They don't talk about what happened to him. But like um, one of the people that works at, at LaRusso Auto is um, Daniel's cousin that they're mentioning constantly in the first movie. And he's a character nice. in this. Um, LaRusso's mom is back. Uh, it's so good. Wow. And, uh, it's all the original actors, too. It's really, really good. Uh, Matthew, uh, out this week. Hello. Oh no, out last week. Last week. Scooby Apocalypse number 25. Oh kids, yeah. this is the one, right Matthew? This is the one that everyone, everyone's jaws on the floor. Yeah, this is the one where they're doing the thing that's designed to really, you know, frighten and, and shake us. And don't get me wrong. The fact that Scooby Apocalypse is at 25 when I think literally all of the other HB stuff has either been short term or canceled or both really does say something about Scooby Apocalypse. And what it really says is that Giffen and Dematis could pretty much write anything and people will buy it because Giffen and Dematis really know how to write but oh, okay. Scooby Apocalypse, are you there? Yes. Okay. Scooby Apocalypse number 25 does the thing that they have been talking about for a couple of months now uh, in the solicits, kills a major character. A member of the Scooby gang dies. Who could it be? It's Scrappy Doo. I, I have no ascot who it could be. But in any case, at the end of issue 24 of Scoobocalypse, fans call it Scoobocalypse. Um, uh, do they? Okay. Yeah. Freddie proposed to Daphne Aww. and she said yes. Aww. Now, this is the thing. Uh, as with any zombie or zombie adjacent thing, you do have to have a mall at some point. So the Scooby gang is actually holed up in a mall surrounded by all of these freaky, freaky monsters. Because remember, the premise is that Velma accidentally created a nanobot virus that turns normal people into monsters. So old man Winter is not a rubber face monster. He's literally evolved into a thing. So the group has been split. And Daphne and Freddie are off by themselves while the rest of the gang tries to figure out what's going on. And this issue is nearly all action. And it's amazing because most of the action is Daphne Blake just cutting stuff up with a, with a giant heavy machine gun. And it's really kind of neat. And, of course, we discover something terrible about the monsters and the nature of the monsters and why there are so many of the monsters. And of course, Daphne Blake being Daphne Blake opens fire with her machine guns. And we discover a second freaky, freaky thing. And she is like, okay, fine, Fred, I'll marry you. We're done here. We're going to get out. We've got a life ahead of us. We're going to give this up. We're going to be a couple. We're going to be happy forever. And then the song is like, did it, did it, did it. And then, a guy comes in and rips out Fred's chest. Oh no, not Fred. Anyone but Fred. Which one? Wait. No, it's which Fred. Which one's Fred? Fred is the one with the ascot. Oh, oh, okay. He's the one that drives the mystery machine. He's voiced by Frank Welker since nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, he's the one that the the one that they got rid of very quickly when they wanted to make this the Scooby Doo and Daphne and Shaggy show. No, that was terrible. Don't ever refer to that again. <laughs> 
No, seriously, I, I, I'm, I'm serious. Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo fills me with rage. I will come at you like a spider with monkey. Rage. I, I will literally pick Vincent up Price a cat in, in one hand and a rock in the other. It did have Vincent Price, but it also had Flim Flam. Yeah, come on, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it that's really the other is. kind of rule of uh, of zombie horror stuff, right? The moment you have a moment of happiness, someone dies. It kind of is. And the thing that's really interesting is that everybody has a moment of happiness because I don't know if you know this. Shaggy has a girlfriend now. What? Shaggy has a girlfriend. Velma's uh, corrupt businessman brother had a hot wife and a stepson. And they are now traveling with the gang. And she and Shaggy are doing a thing of a thing of a. And of course, this does open up uh, Velma and Daphne to finally become a couple like. You know, they probably should have since 1967. But the last page does raise a question about, first of all, this book and whether everything we've seen is as cut and dried as it seems to be. And that surprised me. And I really appreciate that because, again, it's a Scooby-Doo book. I don't know if it's something about Scooby, if it's something about zombies, but the fact that this book has been going on for 25 issues is weirdly entertaining and kind of fun. And I, I don't hate it as much as I feel like people expect that I should, because when I read this book, what I get mostly is really nice Giffen and Dematis character work. You know, the Justice League international guys, half of the Legion of Superheroes team from volume three and volume four. J.M. DeMattis could pretty much write the back of a shampoo bottle and I'd read it. Not that I don't read shampoo bottles anyway, but this is a really interesting, it's a well-done book. It's a well-drawn book. It doesn't look like Howard Porter, which is a shame, but it does look good. All in all, Scoobocalypse, because, you know, I don't know if you know this, fans call it Scoobocalypse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Scoobocalypse number 25, three out of five slices of meatloaf, really solid. I'm hoping the last page means what I think it means, but I don't know that I know what I think it means. So I think that I know, but I don't know what I think. And that makes it really interesting. And they killed Fred Jones. Let's all have a moment of silence. I- I'm trying to look up Scoobocalypse on online and I get, Wait, did you mean Skyon Apocalypse? Robo- you're spelling it wrong. Robocopalypse? Scorpion. Yeah, it's not it's not an intuitive spelling. Right. There's it's, four M's they, and a silent Q. Oh, it's they yeah. they spell it by spelling out the entirety of Scooby Doo Apocalypse. But right. then yes. the, and then the people it's just, just pronounce it wrong. Ubi Doo Apo is all silent. Uh-huh. Well, it's okay. like when people refer to Jennifer Lawrence's J Law, Scoobocalypse is kind of the same thing. It makes you feel like you're part of a secret group while sounding like you've had some sort of head injury. And so people really like that. Okay. Scoobocalypse. It's a thing. Just like uh, when uh, Peter Parker Spider-Man was going, people referred to it it as Peterman. Yeah. (laughs) Or P-Par Spima. Yeah. Or was yeah, I, I, I remember people calling it Spiker in the. No, you're Spiker. thinking of that volleyball company. Be calling it Spiker that or, uh, or, or Porker. Yeah. Um, Porker. Okay. Uh, three out of five slices of meatloaf for you, Matthew, on that, you said? Mm hmm. All right. Uh, Rodrigo coming out next week from, uh, from, or no, this week. Uh, I've got my dates all wrong. Being out of town for a month at a time just throws my whole schedule off. But coming out this yeah. week from Aspen Comics, it's Journey. 
It's Journey, spelled J-I-R-N-I. Because the Stop O, U, and the R. The spelling, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a thing. Journey is a comic about a lady who is half genie. Her name is not Journey. So um, she doesn't get in the water and fight Jaws. Well, uh-huh. well, Die Hard climbs into a building. That does not happen. Um, in this particular issue of Journey, this is the third issue of the third volume. Right. So Journey's been going on for a while. I've reviewed it on the show before. I really like it, but um, as uh, as definitely the two of you know, and I'm sure uh, our listeners are aware, I'm terrible at <laughs> like staying with a comic. <laughs> So um, I tend to just kind of jump back in whenever I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a thing that I I straight up like. Uh, So I came across Journey again, and I'm like, I like this comic. And so in this issue, uh, it's pretty great because uh, there's a lot of like kind of previously on stuff. Um, Our our protagonist, uh, Ara goes through kind of like a a little soliloquy where she talks about like visiting her her ancient city which has been decimated um we cut to like the bad guy kind of harassing her mom the the protagonist mom and there's uh, there's like a lot of explanation here as to why things are happening what the bad guys are up to i don't know if this is something that like happens every issue and it just kind of um, of this volume at least and kind of subscribes to the whole um, this is somebody's first issue or if it just so happens that you know we're halfway through an arc or maybe a third of the way through an arc and they're like well better catch everyone up just in case um, I like the writing the you know there's uh, Journey is a very action oriented comic um, I'm trying to find I had it and then I super lost my page of what the uh, former artist on Journey was. And basically the reason why I started reading it was this person's art. Um, the art here is not done by that person. I think it's like three different artists over the course of the book. This is uh, Michael Santamaria, uh, Elias Pineda, and Mauricio Campitella. And... If you look at the first issue, there's like a a page breakdown. Um, oh, of who and did what? Of who did what? Yeah. Um, so, you know that that doesn't super help. It's um, it's nice. It looks like they have their like character bible straight, and nobody like grows three extra feet, and you know has drastically different facial features or anything like that, but it, it, it really doesn't help to within the same book have drastic art shifts mm-hmm. um, because, you know, unless they're like going into a flashback or something, but then the, the art shift does have to be like very, very drastic. And then it kind of brings up issues of like, am I like dealing with an unreliable narrator here? Um, I mean, that is kind of what they do, but you know, it's like, Okay, so what? Why? Why is this happening? And I, I feel that maybe the reason why it's happening is it, it kind of needed to happen to get the book out. Um, 
so uh, unfortunately, it's not the art that I like the most accompanying this book, but I do like the story. It's a big action, high fantasy story without really falling into a lot of the like um like british isles uh and like germanic mythology things that we are so inundated with um so that's that's at least a very enjoyable part of it for me i'm gonna give it three and a half slices of meatloaf i'm interested to pick up more of it but we'll see if i actually remember all right there you go thank you rodrigo thank you matthew and thank you listeners Again, for being part of the Major Spoilers experience, you get some value out of the show. We ask you to at least just check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Got a couple bucks, two bucks a month. Uh, we can sure use it. Keeps the show going. Allows us to get to our next goal. One of our future goals. It's coming up fast. I mean, it really is. Future goal. Yes, our future goal. Live Major Spoilers podcast for you. Tuesday night, you can watch us live, talk, chat, interact all those good things you'll probably hear us curse yeah we're gonna we're we're good people we don't want to be kicked off of our youtubes or our twitch channels oh so, man uh, we'll be good you can find out more again just support us or go check us out at patreon.com slash major spoilers uh if you're over at majorspoilers.com though you can certainly check out the major spoilers poll of the oh. week oh hey matthew Hey, Steven. Did you know one of the, did you know one of the things that you can get when you become a patron member at patreon.com slash major spoilers? No. What things can I get if I become a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers? You can get some of our pre-show chatter, uh, oh. usually 15 to 30 minutes. This week, we talk uh, briefly and some spoilery talk about Avengers Infinity War. I went to see the Infinity War. Matthew finally saw the Infinity War, so we can talk about it. Yeah. And a lot of people are still talking about it. In fact, people are asking what's coming up next, which brings us to the major spoilers poll of the week. Week, 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 week. <clears throat> this is Silver Gray who wrote in and says, hey, I have a, I don't know how he talks. I'm going to imagine that he talks like this. Hey, I'm a I, Silver Gray. <laughs> I have an idea for a top five. What comic storyline do you want to see introduced into a future movie? That's so Silver Gray talk. talks like a, a combination of Scrappy Doo and Teddy Roosevelt. Maybe. So what comic That's... what comic storyline do you want to see introduced into a future movie? Crisis on Infinite Earths, Kingdom Come, Avengers versus the X-Bands, or Archie versus Punisher? <laughs> this is Silver Gray. This is not me. Uh-huh. I mean, I would have gone with Archie versus Predator. I would have gone with Archie versus Kiss. Hmm. Rodrigo, Rodrigo, which one? Which Archie would you have gone up against? Oh, uh, definitely uh, just the what was it? Life with Archie, oh, where he had, like oh, has yeah. to pick, and they kind of go back and forth between his two uh, choices. That actually it. wouldn't make yeah. a bad movie. Nope, I'm yeah, sure they'll do something like that on Riverdale eventually. Uh, no, so uh, anyway, Rodrigo, which comic book storyline do you want to see introduced into a future movie? Uh, well, out of these, uh, four, right out of these four, um, I didn't read Archie versus Punisher. So that one's kind of out. Um, I, I, Avengers versus X-Men, I feel we're going to get anyway. And I, I don't see a reason to have, I, I think we are eventually, um, 
I think there's no reason to have Kingdom Come because kind of the idea was like, let's do like a super serious you guys version of the the DC universe. And it's that, you know, except that's that's what we have now, except not done in a particularly great way. But the tonal difference of it is not going to be different enough Mm. to actually be like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing like in the future, you know, Superman has retired and the world is for craps, you guys. And it's like, well, in the present, the world is for craps in this cinematic universe. Mm. Um, so that leaves me with Crisis on Infinite Earths, which could be the thing that makes the world less for craps. There you go. There you go. The reason why I say Avengers versus X-Men maybe not come, uh, happening, because I know Disney's in talks with uh, 21st Century Fox to buy Fox Studios and the like. But apparently Comcast is putting in a, an offer as well. And I thought going, that was all like uh, pretty much a done deal. No, it's not a done deal until the contracts are signed because apparently Comcast oh. wants all that streaming media goodness so that they can uh, up our cable bills. I mean, net neutrality is dead. Why would they up our, our cable bills? I mean, but, <laughs> but I understand. No that, reason now. But I understand that uh, they have put in uh, maybe a competing offer or in talks to offer more money. We'll see what happens there. So don't don't think that that deal is done until the paperwork has been signed and everyone uh, says, oh, what a great thing that Disney and 21st Century Fox have done or Comcast and Fox have done because, oh boy, not done yet I, apparently. I still don't particularly want to see Avengers versus X-Men. I think Crisis on Infinite Earths would be a great way to be like, what do we want here? Let's uh, keep this Aquaman, keep this Wonder Woman, get a new Superman, get a new, keep the Flash. Uh, flip cyborg over. We're, we're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to see Avengers versus X-Men either. I don't want to see Archie versus Punisher crisis on infinite earth. I think has been done enough now on the CW series. So I went with kingdom come only because part of me hopes that there could be a good message to be found in, in the results of kingdom come. But I do agree with you. So not a particularly uh, faithful adaptation. No, there's, a, there's a faith. There's an ad, there's an adaptation where faith comes into into play uh, towards the end of the book. And I, and I think that it can be done. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're kind of in a crap, craptacular world right now. So, or at least in the DCU, um, it's a craptacular yeah. world. So kingdom come may not work as a movie uh, because we'll it's already been that. done, but, uh, but that's what I went with out of all of them. Matthew, what about you? Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, Silver Gray is a fine human being and a faithful spoilerite who talks like Teddy Roosevelt. I love him or her dearly, but none of these are going to make a good movie because Avengers versus X-Men is just going to be a schmoz. It will be a big old fighty fighty. Kingdom Come is completely meaningless in a movie because it's a weird alternate future treatise that in its original form was mostly a giant game of, Hey, it's that guy uh, showcasing the design skills of Alex Ross. And so there isn't really a whole lot of meat to that story for a movie. I think that we could get to a point where Superman learns something, but then it ends with that weird fan fiction where Superman and wonder woman have a baby and Batman's all like, even though I'm dead, and all of my bones are broken. I'm still the most awesome thing in the universe. <laughs> and Crisis on Infinite Earths is an even bigger schmoz 
But I think that it's the only one that could be conceivably made into a movie unless you want to see John Barenthal hunting down the kid from Riverdale, which who doesn't at this point, really? Mm. But I think Crisis on Infinite Earths is something that could work because you can play with the alternate universe tropes. And if you're thinking, and they won't, but if you're thinking, you could have the Ezra Pound version of The Flash yeah. briefly mm-hmm. see himself taller and skinnier hanging out with Vive in an alternate universe and just go, oh, look, that thing happened. And you can acknowledge that the TV universes and the movie type universes exist. And then you can have Jason Moa Moa because, you know, my wife has to look at something. So I said Crisis on Infinite Earth simply because it feels like the only one where the story could actually be adapted in a way that it is still Crisis on Infinite Earth, whereas the others would be either in name only or just completely impossible to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael says Archie versus Punisher. Frank says the animated crisis would be good. Better if it stayed true to the series and was broken into two movies. I would really go, uh, watch the animated movie, uh, crisis on, is it two earths, two earths, the animated yeah. movie. Oh, that is so, so good. Uh, that's the you, one that has evil Mary Marvel as superwoman. Uh, yeah. It also has, uh, you know, owl man uh, being super nihilistic in the, in the movie. So it's, yeah, it's definitely Owlman really out. steals the show. Yeah, yeah. He's the best thing about it. And then I guess, uh, What's his name? The, um, evil flash. What is his, what is the name of that character? Johnny quick, Johnny quick. Yeah. He's good in that too. Um, let's see crisis as a trio of films, two core films and a tie in animated direct to video anthology film in the vein of the animatrix that adapts different areas of the crisis story that don't fit near, uh, neatly into the story of the two core films. Wow. Okay. All right. I could see that. Uh, then we have uh, Jer who says, I mean, Avengers versus X-Men is the only choice. With Marvel's track record and with their studio achieving the impossible with creating a serial film series, this would set the standard even higher. That's not how everyone's Mm -hmm. voted so far, Matthew. It is not. A whopping 48%, which is nearly half, are saying Kingdom Come, Future Nihilistic, Superman, Darkness, Gerga Gerga, followed by Avengers vs. X-Men at 23%, Crisis at 20%, and about nine people saying, hey, let's see Archie get shot. What's wrong with you people, man? If uh, Archie ever went over to Netflix, I guarantee you they would highly consider doing an Archie versus Punisher series. I don't know if you've been watching the Riverdale. I've only seen the promos. I watched like the first man. First six it seems episode. to have got dark. Yeah, I watched the first like five or six episodes of the first season, and then they introduced like this Black Hood character in the second season, which is like out of you know, uh, dark circle comics and that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And then they've got some gang thing going on now. I don't know. I've only yeah. been watching it through the trailers. And the gang is the called series. the ghoulies. <laughs> Do they get in toilet? The at groovy night? ghoulies. Oh no. From the cartoon Archie's the groovy ghoulies who hung out with Sabrina. Okay. Wow. Well, Sabrina. Yeah. Coming. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, what happened was Jughead transferred to another high school where everybody is economically depressed because you can tell by their forty four thousand dollar leather jackets. Are they from the and that high tracks? school? Yeah, from Southside. Uh oh, Southside. Oh, Southside. Gross. And the Southside Serpents are apparently actually run by Jughead's dad. <gasps> but when the Southside High School closed, all the kids from Southside moved back over to Riverdale High, and they all wear their leather jackets. And they're like, ooh, this, the we are The weird thing is the show is not set in the 50s. 
No, it's not. And we don't know when it's set. It's set in some weird kind of Half Ryan Murphy day. imaginary land is what it is. But it's not know, necessarily. There is something nice about this idea of merging like modern day with the 50s aesthetic. But of course, yeah. in this, it just really feels like the bad parts of the 50s are in this tale. Well, here's the first thing about Riverdale. I've never seen a whole episode, but I can tell you that it's not really all that good. So, I mean, it may be a confirmation bias issue for me. It may just be that the parts of the episodes that I've seen, I'm just like, really? I don't know why I really? stopped watching. I was really intrigued by who killed, um, who, who killed the, uh, the Blossom, the Blossom kid. kid. Blossom. Yeah. Turns out it was the other Blossom kid. Yeah. Well, thanks. I was going to go finish that season, but now forget well, it. Okay. Well, Miss Grundy is sleeping with Archie too. Well, I saw that because that was like in the first episode. Okay. That's where they lost me. Hot. 20-something Ms. Grundy is just wrong. That's like, you know, that movie where Angela Lansbury has some me time in the bubble bath. I don't want that. Oh, yeah. Murder sheep. Well, never mind. <laughs> Listeners, head over to MajorSpoilers.com. Cast your... <laughs> yes, you want to know that reference? <laughs> Listen to our other show, The Legion Clubhouse, coming out next week. Oh, man. <laughs> It gets blue, ladies and gentlemen. That's the Legion Clubhouse. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, MajorSpoilers.com, and a lot of places where fine podcasts are served up. The Legion Clubhouse, ask for it by name. For the rest of you, head over to MajorSpoilers.com, cast your vote in the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week. Uh, We're still below 100, so we can still get uh, more locked in. We could get like 25 of you voting for uh, Avengers versus X-Men and take that over the top. Uh, Remember, 51% wins. Oh, no, that's not how it works. Majority wins. Major spoilers, poll of the week. Well, there's still the major spoilers electoral college. Oh, man. Don't get started on the major spoilers electrical college. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> man. It's said you got to be careful. Because Aspen the Comics the keeps asking us to gerrymander the, the voting districts. Cool. Yeah. Oh, it's awful. It's terrible. Uh, and he's played by Tom Selleck, which is weird <laughs> because he should be. You know, the guy from Roseanne off topic, off the rails here for just a moment. Have you guys heard anything oh, about this? Sorry, new... We're getting off topic now. <laughs> Have you guys heard about this new Magnum PI thing? Uh, uh-uh, no, apparently they're making a remake of Magnum PI. Apparently there's a trailer out. I haven't seen it yet, but people are mad. It doesn't have Tom Selleck in the show. Well, no, but, but he's people a are being mad. a blue bloods now. Yeah. Does he, does a kid have the mustache? I don't know. Like I said, I, I heard that there was a Magnum, let me see PI trailer. Let's see if it's out nope, there. Says new is Mag- uh, Magnum PI loses the mustache. New uh, guy. Uh, I, I, saw, I, I guess it, I haven't seen. I guess there's not a trailer out, but someone says people have seen something of this new show and said people are going to be disappointed. Jay Hernandez as the new Magnum. Was he well, I know that they've. <clears throat> no. Well, maybe he was. CBS oh, has been really him. leaning into bringing back shows that you already like. Because I know they have a MacGyver thing and they have a Lethal Weapon thing. They have or maybe a that's MacGyver Fox. thing. Yeah. Is Hawaii Five O still on the air? I, I thought it so. was. I want to say that it is. Mm. I don't watch. I TV stopped watching somehow. it a long time ago, though. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I, I watched maybe watched. like the first season. That was it. Anyway. Anyway, hey, let's uh, go back to the year two thousand four. Uh, to Iraq. Right after, uh, right after uh, Saddam has been uh, captured. That's the sound of the wayback machine. By is the that way, what it is okay. I thought it was the helicopters flying over. This is no, you beautiful friend. 
Whoa, why is Martin Landau suddenly thinner? Sheriff of Babylon, Volume 1, Bang, 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 from Tom King and Mitch Gerards. This is a Vertigo comic. A lot of people really like this for a lot of different reasons. But um, I think one of the reasons why I like it is because there is a bit of political intrigue and we're getting not just the, you know, the American version of this tale. We're seeing the story of the, the time immediately after uh, the Saddam uh, regime fell and all the chaos that was going on. And we're seeing this from like three different sides. We see this from, you know, uh, a, an American who is there to train the, the police. He is the sheriff mm-hmm. of Babylon, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Christopher. Yes, Christopher. We also meet Sophia, who is an American raised Iraqi who was basically um, being protected. Her family had sent her to America to get away from the, the regime. And then there is Nazir, who was a, is he a Shiite? A uh, Shia, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, but he was working as part of Saddam's police force. And now mm-hmm. all three of them have been wrangled into this tale of this guy, Ali Farir, who has been, who has been killed. And he apparently. Kind of a weird murder mystery. Yeah, yeah it's a weird murder mystery thing, but it's not. It doesn't play out like a murder mystery would. I mean, this is, I mean, they make a joke in the, in, I think the first or second issue where it's like, oh yeah, these Americans, all they watch is CSI because that's all they know when it comes to mysteries. They're not willing to look deeper than that. And that kind of, I think summarizes at least what this first half of the story is like, because we're only getting six issues. We're not getting a full story arc here. We're not getting the full season. Um, but that's what it kind of feels like in this. And I'm not sure how to take this. Uh, what, what is your reaction to this? to this uh, first volume, Rodrigo. Nope. No Rodrigo. Did we miss Rodrigo? Matthew. No, I was just muted. You just muted. All right, Rodrigo. Yes. So to start over my grand uh, explanation of what I was saying. (laughs) Okay. um, uh, I liked it. (laughs) What do you like? What do you you like about it? I mean, what, why is that? Why does it work for you? So, uh, this sort of thing tends to really, really, really not be my bag, but I like the, there's, there's a real honesty to it in that uh, really nobody comes across particularly well. Mm-hmm. Um, it has some um, Americans having real conversations with other Americans about their involvement and their time in Iraq. It has conversations between Iraqis being like, you know, it's like, are we a good people? Are we weak? What is happening here? You know, what 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 does it mean to be an Iraqi after this regime or in the middle of this regime change? Um, and, you know, there's all kinds of scary stuff going on. And because this is like a, a very lawless place, you don't have there's nothing to hang on to right it's like a character gets taken away by people in a car it's like I, is that character dead now it's like or or what what's happening mm-hmm. you know and like the characters don't know you don't know as opposed to you know uh any given um you know action uh piece movie comic tv show whatever that happens to take place in a military zone where you have the hero like jumping onto like a uh, Humvee and like shooting a uh, machine gun out the side and blah, blah, blah. Um, you're like, oh yeah, well that guy more than likely is going to make it to the end of the movie somehow here. You really don't know, you know, the, 
the um, at least for now, who exactly the sheriff of Baghdad is is not really clear. Yeah, uh, at least not to me. So it's like, who's the main character here? And really, there's kind of three main characters, maybe, mm-hmm. that, you, mm-hmm. that we're kind of finding out about. But other characters kind of come into focus as well, and you start finding out stuff about them. So this is all kind of, I guess what I like about it is that kind of not knowing what the structure is here, who I'm following, what is happening actually works really well because it builds this uncertainty, which is what all the characters are feeling. You know, part of this really feels like, hey, what if Casablanca was being told in in 2004 in Iraq and, and uh, the green city or whatever, the green area that the green Americans zone. control, the green zone, kind of feels like Rick's bar, right? Where you've got a bunch of really sketchy people, people who have a colorful past, people who really hate each other, but are working together. Um, it's just that kind of a, kind of a feel to it without, you know, without the whole, uh, you know, the, the whole Nazi thing going on, uh, because I mean, it really gets complicated because here you have a, here you have Sophia whose family was killed, but now she is part and she's come back to Iraq and she is helping rebuild the government. At the same time, she's working closely with Nasir. Remember, he was the uh, Saddam's uh, police force guy who killed her family. And she knows it. And he knows that she knows it. And instead of seeking revenge against one another, which is happening in other parts of this story where different groups of people and different characters are killing one another over revenge, over past past histories, that's not happening there. And then you have Christopher, who's just kind of like, I don't know what's going on, but... I'm trying to understand that I can't understand. And so he's got a culture uh, clash that's happening with him. And it's clear that a lot of the Iraqis don't want Americans there. It's just really, it's really interesting. And then with the murder mystery involved too, it it becomes, it becomes deep. I think this at at times is a bit of a hard read. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it can be attributed to language barrier and a good interpretation of, you know, trying to translate, you know, what someone who is trying to speak English, who is, whose uh, native language is not English. Uh, I think that, uh, comes out very well. Um, but this is a deep story. It's also a very brutal story. Uh, for example, there is, uh, don't get too attached to any one person in this book. I mean, there is a great moment where Christopher and Nasir's wife, um, spend an evening talking over their differences and their cultural differences while they're drinking alcohol. Um, things don't end well for one of those people. Uh-huh. Matthew, what are your, what are your thoughts on this? I am in a unique position when it comes to this comic, because I really do like the art and I love the production techniques applied to the art that give it kind of a weird weathered feel. I feel like issue five, which is basically just Christopher and uh, Nasir's wife, Fatima having a conversation and getting drunker and drunker and drunker in what was one of Saddam's pools is wonderful. Just an amazing issue an amazing conversation. I feel like this is a book that has a lot to say and I did not like it. Why, Why didn't you like it? I'm curious. I, just, I mean, I, can't, I, I haven't I decided know. whether I like this or not because it is a very hard read. Part of it, I think, is 
Whether it's accurate, whether it's realistic or not, parts of it feel an awful lot to me like watching an episode of NCIS Los Angeles, which is a show where uh, LL Cool J and Robin pretend that they are uh, naval guys who used to be Navy SEALs and the like. And it's all very kind of, you know, it's got this subtle underpinning of... You don't know you weren't a Navy SEAL and being a Navy SEAL is this thing and this is exactly how it is. And I'm like, well, this is a cool story. But my brain is like, how accurate is this? Because first of all, you're LL Cool J. And second of all, it's a CBS Sunday night show. And I'm just like, even if I wanted to get drawn into it, the authenticity factor kind of leaves me with this weird thing of, is this all real? And if it is, that's terrible. And if it's not, that's kind of worse. So I don't know if and this I, is, I don't know if this is, you know, fictional. I mean, this feels like it's fictionalized history. I'm sure it's fiction, fictionalized history, but uh, Tom King used to be a CIA operations officer in Iraq during this time period. So he's bringing his, his take on what was going on into this book and the CIA of my understanding, again, my 10 minutes of research into this book uh, my understanding is that the CIA had to clear this book before it could be printed. Wow. So I don't know, Matthew, if that, if that answers your question about how much of this is real, I'm sure it's fictionalized history, but mm-hmm. it is based on Tom King's time in Iraq. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that necessarily helps my, my, and it's not even, it's, 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 it's a, a dissonance thing. Because the parts of it that I love, you know, there are bits of it where I'm just like, yeah, that's really cool. Most of, uh, hmm. there's a conversation where we, we see Sophia explaining that her name is not actually Sophia, but in fact, Safia. Right, right. And explaining where that name comes from and the background and the history of it. And it's a really great character building moment that just doesn't go anywhere and doesn't really feel motivated but it's great i mean it's it's this nice yeah, stuff I mean, into the middle of nothing i mean it is this nice stuff it's this nice story right but then you're con- you are juxtaposing that with the fact that she's just been blown up in a car and the doctor who's checking her out is like yeah you totally lost your kid so here's yeah. this really kind of cool violent story about how her name is Based on the, um, you know, the, the wife of, of Muhammad. Um, but then you juxtapose that with, oh yeah, by the way, you just lost your kid. So, I mean, right. there's that, there's that tragedy that's going on there. I, I wonder too, I, and this is not, you know, this is a, a, a question that I'm, I'm curious about. Do you not know where to take it? Because there may be some, uh, some disbelief in, in your mind of, wow, this stuff is really brutal. And some of this stuff is really disgusting. And I can't believe this stuff actually happened coming from someone who, I mean, you know, 2004 for some of us is not that long ago. And we still have, I still remember where I was when the bombing of Iraq began under George W. Bush. I remember where the bombings, when, where I was the day that bombings began in the first Iraq war. Um, I think that, for me, there there is a little bit of that dissonance in there. There's a little bit of a question of, well, first of all, it goes back and forth from really, really down-to-earth, realistic, aimless conversations that don't necessarily feel super, you know, 
constructed or that don't feel like it's something that's trying to get us from point A to point B. It's not like an Aaron Sorkin walk and talk. It's two people mm-hmm. having what feels like a normal conversation. And there's quiet moments in here where it's like this all feels very weird slice of life, but slice of life. And then there's parts of it that feel like a really heightened sort of John Wick reality mm. where where people are doing impossible things and shooting guys and, you know, leaping cars over. That doesn't actually happen. There's no leaping cars. But there's a part of it that just feels like it is really a very heightened kind of well, I mean, movie reality. Somebody, somebody survives a direct hit from a rocket-propelled grenade uh, to true. their vehicle. Well, but she also is explained that it was a heavily armored vehicle too. Yeah, I, still, I, I heavily armored that for this. For example, that, those things are for taking out tanks. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, the thing about Tom King for me, the thing that can be really confusing is getting really drawn into bits and pieces of the story. And you know, I have the same thing with Bendis. You get drawn into conversations or character moments or little side pieces. And then you realize that the main story part, either you don't like it or it didn't necessarily do anything or make any sense. And that's what that's why issue five is so remarkable to me, because it's just a long conversation that's all about theme and nuance and character and getting us inside Fatima's head so that next issue we can kill her. Yeah, but I think that's also kind of reinforcing, you know, in the sixth issue. The sixth issue is a direct mirror of the pages in the first issue, right? Where in the first part of this book, Christopher is walking around and and he's in this green zone and people are fleeing out of this restaurant, out of this uh, cafe. And people are like, oh, there's a person in there who has a bomb. And he's like, ah, oh, crap, I got to go in and, and deal with this. And he's going in and he's trying to talk down this person who he thinks has uh, this young girl who he thinks has a, um, you know, a, a bomb strapped to herself. And so mm-hmm. he's trying to talk her down and having a conversation with her. And at the same time, you can tell that she doesn't speak English or understand what he's saying. She's terrified. He's just like, look, I have no idea. It's almost like he's giving a monologue from the opening of Apocalypse Now where, um, you know, he's in the hotel room saying, ah, damn, it's Saigon, you know, that kind of thing. And it really feels Why like that. And then suddenly, saying? suddenly, without warning, here come these people who are not aware of the situation and just come in and they kill the girl go to issue six where it's the exact same thing where here's this person that he's had a a lovely time getting to know and understanding better and he's they're trying to have a communication and suddenly here come in these these soldiers who don't know what's going on she surprises them and their immediate reaction is gun 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 she's got a gun and they kill her it's it really feels like we are seeing the same thing happening it does seem mindless um, you know, it's, it's, again, it's, it, you know, war is madness. We see that in, um, bridge over the river Kwai where they're building something. And then suddenly, uh, the brigadier is just like, Oh, what have I done? What have I done? And then blows up the bridge. Or even if in, in catch 22, where they realize that there is no way out of, out of these situations. So I, 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 I see where you're definitely coming from Matthew, but at the same time, mm. I can see where there's balance and, you shouldn't expect anything just when you think you have this moment of normalcy, Mm -hmm. you know, someone's coming to your door and kidnapping you and threatening you Uh and and you need your wife to come in and, and kill them or Sophia's driving and it seems like a normal day and someone wants to send a rocket launcher at her car. Right. My wife would kill them. My wife is terrifying, but yeah, I can, I, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not, 
appealing and that it's not necessarily good. I just, I don't know how I really feel about it. And mm-hmm. it really does veer back and forth from something that feels very believable, concrete, realistic to things that feel like the born identity or feel like <laughs> way over yeah. the top kind of stuff. But there's not really a lot of, I mean, there's not a lot of big, I mean, you're, you're talking born identity and people jumping from cars. I mean, there's not a lot of that. I mean, there's, uh, so this, this one scene where uh, Nasir is being kidnapped, he tells his wife, Hey, meet me later at the mosque and gives her his gun. He knows he's being taken by some people who want to torture him. They go and they question him and then they're like, okay, we're going to release you. We, we believe the information he said. He's like, Hey, on the way back, can we stop at the mosque? And as they go in and pray and they come back out, his wife's waiting and she blows the kidnappers away and then they make their escape. Um, it, it sounds, I mean, it sounds like a big action sequence, but in reality, I mean, that's like four panels of an entire issue where that happens and it's done and gone. Uh, people, but I mean, it, this is a brutal book. I mean, there are shots, there are shots in this book well, yeah, of people the, getting shot in the head. There are people that the are first riddled panel with of the first issue of the book is a man's head with a bullet through it. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I'm, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, Matthew. Cause like I said, I'm kind of conflicted on this too. I want to see how this book ends or how this mystery ends or this first season ends. I want to see, what's the bigger conspiracy? Because there is a moment in the book that I thought was brilliant. And I think it's in the first issue or the second issue where you're kind of moving up the line between all the players, all the way up to the U S government, and then back channeling it back down through the, through the different ranks until something happens. Um, I kind of want to see where this goes, but for me, this first volume was a really slow burn in trying to figure out what's going on and let me get a grip of the story. A lot of times, because we are diverting into these, Odd conversations, these weird moments of, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Here, let me sell you something kind of situations. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 I don't know. Um, I, th- I mean, we're going to read the second volume and hopefully finish out this story, but I, I don't know where I stand on this right now. I think it's good. I think there are moments of this that are brilliant, but then there's other times it's like, man, it's taking me too long to get to the meat of this, of this story. Rodrigo, can you, can you, uh, Matthew doesn't like it. I'm in the middle of the road. You like it. Can you flip us? Can you bring no. us over to your, your dark side <laughs> or your light side, depending on where you're at and whether you have your mute button on again or not? All the lights are off. Oh, okay. Um, no, I don't, I don't think I can necessarily flip you. Uh, all I can say is, um, I mean, not any more than I flip you off while we record on a regular basis anyway. <laughs> right. Um, so no more than usual. Just constant. So <laughs> you hear what he said about you, Stephen? What? Um, I was <laughs> muted. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, so there's, there's a lot going on in this book. Um, and, and definitely if you take a step back from it, you know, this book is a great example of, um, you know, a story that is definitely not a superhero story, definitely not an action story. You know, if you look at this, this story definitely has guns and it has people dying and it has a mystery. Um, but I would still say that something like Sixth Gun has more in common with, you know, the beware the Batman than it does with this book to a certain degree, right? It's like this book is trying to be so real. This book is Mm -hmm. historical fiction as Mm -hmm. opposed to a fantasy story or a sci-fi story or anything like that. So you have that. 
you know, anytime that people are like, well, comics, blah, 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 you're like, well, have you have you read Sheriff of Babylon? Because it's it's basically an HBO or like a um, like a premium cable um, yeah, series story. Yeah. yeah series uh, as a comic. There's there's a lot here that is very cinematic without being like you know flying in capes and and all that stuff or or, or really over the top action sequences, um, and and really that's a lot of what this has going for it. The comic really uh, also formally it's it's really good. You know there are things like um, there is a conversation between two people that happens between a fence and the fence kind of becomes the um, the gutters of the image. Um, mm-hmm. Anytime anybody speaks in like Arabic is a is a serif font. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, English is your more standard sort of sans serif comics font. Um, and there's lots of little things, lots of, uh, attention to detail sometimes, you know, at, to, to a gruesome degree. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's really kind of the issue is this is not a story that I like, like, I don't like this story. It makes me sad and mad yeah. you know but i like the book because it does that effectively it's like i respect it um you know doing this podcast i i'm i've become exposed to a lot of media that i wouldn't have picked wouldn't have picked up on my own i would have never in a thousand years picked up this book on my own um and I don't know that I necessarily i mean i'm interested to see what the second half of this is because it does feel like you know, stopping mid season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am interested to see how it all shakes down, but it's very likely that I'm not going to pick up anything else unless we do another volume here on the show, because this story is really not my bag. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's too real. It's scary. It's sad. And makes yeah, yeah. me, um, it, it makes me remember what we were all afraid of back in 2004. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, we will be taking a look at Sheriff of Babylon Volume 2 in October, so you've got a couple of okay. months to prepare yourself. All right. But it, but it yep, is I'll, in there. I'll do some breathing exercises there ahead of go. time. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's one of the things we've been doing the last couple of years at Major Spoilers. I think uh, our regular listeners know this, uh, but uh, we've been taking some series and sticking with those series. Uh, we had tried to do this in the past with, like, Why the Last Man. I don't know if we ever got finished with that. We did get nope. through Starman all the way through that. Uh, but, uh, in the last two years, we've been really taking a look at some stuff and, and visiting that throughout the year. This year it's, uh, last year it was, um, um, the sixth gun this year, it's lock and key sheriff of Babylon, uh, and a couple of others that we'll constantly revisit until we are, till we're done with them and just kind of get a, next year, son of ambush bug. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Don't, don't get too far ahead there. Don't make, (laughs) don't make, uh, don't, uh, don't write checks that you can't cash. Oh, well, oh, wait. that's, also a, bad, that's also a bad metaphor. Um, any, any final thoughts on this? I, I'm conflicted. I want to see where this goes. I want to see if there's a conclusion in volume two, if there's not a conclusion to this story, if we don't find out what the whole deal is by the end of volume two, I will be very disappointed. I mean, we kind of know why the murder happened by the end of this, but, th- but then us. there's all kind of, there's kind of all these dominoes in place. Right. Right. Yeah. So if that, I want to see how they fall. I want to see if there's justice, et cetera. 
Yeah. Um, but are there any final thoughts from from either of you, Rodrigo? Uh, yeah, I think again, this is it's like um, you know when you hear a song, uh, it's like you're dialing through the radio and you hear a song and you're like, this is not a genre that I like. Mm-hmm. This is not an artist that I particularly like. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't like this song. Mm-hmm. But there's something about it, something about the artistry of it or yes. the complexity of it yeah. that you just kind of like and respect. It's like, yeah. this This is it for me. Okay. Um, I, I, I wouldn't, uh, again, not something I would have picked that up, up on my own, but I, I can I can appreciate it. Sheriff of Babylon is my wrecking ball. Okay. Matthew, what about you? Wrecking Ball? Wrecking Ball's a great song. I know it is. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat as Rodrigo. It's not anywhere near my wheelhouse. It's not a comic that I enjoyed reading, and yet I really, really love big chunks of issue five. And so I think what it breaks down to for me is this is a skillfully written, skillfully drawn comic that does not appeal to me. And thus I would recommend people check it out and say, Hey, does this appeal to you or rather to me? Because you're you and I'm me at this point in the conversation, but later you'll be me and and I'll be you. So here's the thing. Um, there are some of our listeners who love, love, love Sheriff of Babylon Ah. and love, love, love everything that Tom King and Mitch Gerards does. There's also a large portion of portion of our audience from my vantage point that mm-hmm. loathe Tom King with a passion. I, you do see the hate. Yeah. Here's what I need. I need you, the listener right now that you're done. And there's, there's almost 10,000 of you who are listening to this right now at the same time. Think about that first for a moment. And then I want you to head over to Majorspoilers.com and in the comment section for this episode, episode 779 of the Major Spoilers podcast, use the comment section and tell us why you like or despise this book or the creator, like or despise, etc. I'm very curious because I I was having a conversation with someone uh, earlier today going, you know, why do people like or why do people dislike Tom King? And we were trying to have a conversation with it. And I'm maybe not exactly clear because I could go online and try to do a search for it. And I'm not coming up with the answers that that I think other people are talking about. So this is your turn to educate us over at Majorspoilers.com. Hit, hit the comment section up. Let us know what you think about anything we talked about in this week's show. Be civil. Yeah, yeah, definitely do that. Uh, don't slander. Don't do any of, that, of those other things that could get you into legal trouble. Uh, but uh, I want to know what your thoughts are on Sheriff of Babylon Volume 1. Over at Majorspoilers.com. And I think that wraps it up for this issue. Thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers podcast and being part of the Major Spoilers experience. Remember, we love to hear from you. So send us an email at podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do by becoming a patron at Patreon.com slash Majorspoilers. That wraps it up for this episode. We will be back next week to talk, oh, Star Wars Vader down. Why? Because we know that you love comics. We do, too. We will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel. I'm gonna rearrange your things if you continue to debate whether Logan's claws could pierce Steve Rogers' shield. I just couldn't care less if they bring back Craven. Spider-Man's a clone Stop
This podcast is copyright 2018 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.